You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello and welcome to a special summertime blues edition of the Essential Apple. Uh, There's a story behind that which we might go into later, but uh, anyway, I'm happy to say that we're having a change of pace this week and I thought we'd have a round table and so I have with me three guests. Uh, all who've been on the show before. So I'm pleased to welcome back uh, Donny Yankelo. Hello, Donny. Hello. Uh, Steve Hammond. Hello. And uh, Nick Riley. Hello, Nick. Hi, Simon. Good to be back. Uh, glad to have you all on. Um, well, it's been a packed week of stories, to be honest. Um, not all of them particularly uh, cheerful, but there's a lot of them. So um, first of all, of course... Let me introduce you all. Uh, Donny is the uh, teacher, children's books author, uh, iBooks author, sticker pack maker, uh, and even the developer of the Junior Typer app. Is that not so, Donny? Yeah, that's that's correct. Very good. Um, Nick, of course, uh, you appear on this show, and you also appear on the Let's Talk Apple podcast occasionally with, but you don't do much else. Well, I do know that you do other things, I think. You don't do much else <laughs> public-facing, shall we say? Uh, uh, no, no, that's, uh, this, this is it. Yes, you don't You do not do Instagram or, uh, oh, would you believe it? Sorry, guys. Sorry. Right. And, of course, Steve Hammond. Uh, And I believe you are a computer geek and hobby photographer. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, right. Well, I must say that I haven't do photography for a while, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And do you... Are you, uh, you know, do you put your stuff on Instagram or? Not really. You know, I'm, I'm taking picture and I just, I, I keep them for myself. I guess I'm, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Not everybody wants to necessarily uh, expose yeah. their work to the chattering classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's many, 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 many people using Instagram and that kind of stuff to make money, or whatever. But I, I don't. I don't really believe in that, so that's probably why I keep them for myself, my family, my, uh, you know. Yeah, well, why not? For my need. <laughs> for your own personal use. Why not, indeed? Right, we shall have a look at some of the stories, I think. Shall we kick off with this first fairly short and rather amusing one, I suppose, and that is the thieves have made off with a 100 grand's worth of Apple products after doing a... Uh, Mission Impossible style rappel through a Best Buy roof. <laughs> well, I suppose it had to happen eventually, didn't it? I just At least they got how they got through the roof. Yeah, I, I don't know. What does it say? I mean, they've, they've oh look, what a surprise! It's from Nine to Five Mac, and they've got a picture of Tom Cruise rappelling through a roof. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, according to the That's local really police, nice. the burglars entered a Best Buy in Dunwoody, Georgia, by rappelling through a hole in the store's roof, Tom Cruise style. 
then they burrowed into a storage room and stole a hundred grand's worth of iPhones, iPads, Macs, and more. Well, hmm. <laughs> it obviously got good taste. So, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And they were probably pre- prepared as well. You know, I I don't think they improvised that at the last minute. No, it doesn't. Uh, it looks like a fairly prof- sounds like a fairly professional job, doesn't it? That's that's not your. Uh, that's not you try and drive a pickup truck through the door, is it? Yeah, and they had to know about that hole on the roof too. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's all. Um, it makes you wonder a bit, doesn't it? Anyway, so there we go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. It's almost. It's almost a case of saying, uh, "Yeah, well done, them." Uh, not that I. <laughs> not that I uh, condone such behaviour, but like um, you know, in the UK, we do have a tendency to like bank robbery stories that involve people doing clever digging tunnels and breaking in at Christmas and that sort of thing, <laughs> don't we? Where we don't we don't feel like anybody was really harmed overly. Um, there you go. It just seemed a bit weird that they had no video inside the store. Yes, no CT unless yeah. they, they didn't yeah. say. So they so they've got video of people coming in and out, but they hadn't got any video of people dropping from the ceiling well perhaps that's it perhaps that's how they why they decided to do it perhaps they'd figured out that the uh if you were far enough back in the store nobody was watching i don't know it's um it's an interesting story in some ways but uh it also makes you wonder doesn't it if they were going to get out with a hundred grand of of gear did they have a you know they must have had a way to hoist it back out i mean they don't say they took it back out oh yeah that's true but i'm assuming they did I would think so, because otherwise I would have thought the video surveillance on the external part of the property would have picked them up. Uh, uh, yeah, it does sound as if it was well-planned, doesn't it? <laughs> it does sound like a well-planned job, and to be honest, uh, it sounds like they might have had a bit of inside information. Not the, not the sort of thing you do on the off chance, is it? Yeah, you're probably right. And, bur- you know, this burrowed into the storage room sounds uh, a bit more than just kind of, uh, you know, breaking in and hoping. Mm. Well, if it's a hundred thousand dollars, that could be potentially what a hundred iPhones. Yeah, or less. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. So pretty light to lift out of the store, probably. Yeah. Uh, hold on, guys. Sorry. Ah. Uh. Right, sorry about that. It's my daughter. She's um, supposed to be finishing work at six, so I said I'd pick her up. Now she's finished early and wants picking up right now. Right now. So, so, so you're like that guy in uh, that video that was doing an interview for CNN or whatever? Oh, <laughs> when the kids yeah. came in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that was funny, wasn't it? Poor old Brit- British bloke in Hong Kong or wherever he was, and first his little toddler came in and then another. <laughs> I think, the, I think the funniest thing was his nanny desperately trying to get them out of the room. That was his wife, yeah. I think, wasn't it? I think it was, it was his, his wife. wife. It, it was his wasn't the nanny, it was the, the wife. So. Yeah, that was his wife. But yeah, that's the thing. She comes in desperately trying. And of course it went it went viral. Um, and I, yes, the bloke got um, huge plaudits. And everybody was saying, what a pro. You know, he just carried on like nothing was happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, see, uh, on a similar vein, I saw something um, some, something similar where the uh, the guy was, you know, talking to camera, and they'd got a small child in the um, in the studio for whatever reason, and the child like basically climbed up on the desk and was 
rampaging <laughs> around, kicking his papers away and all sorts, and he just tried to carry on regardless. While the while the mother was desperately trying to, you know, grab hold of the small child. That was uh, another one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you can understand why they say never work with children. <laughs> yeah, never work yeah. with children and animals. Yeah, that's it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's the story of my life, working with children. Yeah. Well, of course, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, I've got one here. This is Blomberg, but I think it's probably been elsewhere. Uh, why Apple's AirPower wireless charger is taking so long to make. Um, and, of course, there's been rumblings about this going on, and there. John Gruber's been sort of making muttering about it, um, saying they've had a lot of problems with it. Uh, what I don't understand is... Does that mean that when they announced it, they hadn't even started building it? I think they had started on it. I don't know that they'd started producing it. I guess they probably got a prototype, but... Uh, it just seems unusual for Apple to do to announce something like that without at least having a sort of working prototype yeah. type thing. Um, yeah. Although, of, of late, they seem to have been taken to announcing things and then not really being ready to produce them, which is... Um, mm. But but they've been doing that uh, for a while, you know, announcing the iMac Pro and was available before the end of year last year. And it came on the 25th or 26th of December just to be in year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and um, I mean, the AirPods, they were, the they, AirPods, were, yeah. they were well behind, I think, and almost unobtainable when they came out. And perhaps, um, um, perhaps Tim's been taking lessons from Elon Musk, do you reckon? <laughs> Yeah, maybe <laughs> over promising. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I would. I would have thought. Uh, I suspect somebody somewhere may have been faced a stern talking to by Uncle Tim over these some of these. I think. Um, yeah. According to this, uh, the air power hasn't been publicly discussed by Apple. Uh, company engineers have been toiling away to address problems. Uh, one of the biggest problems is making sure it doesn't overheat. Um, there's a lot of people in here who decline. You know. Ask not to be named. Um, I I don't know. I suspect there's probably a lot more technical challenges in doing building this than you might think because it's not a simple chi uh, charger, is it? That's the thing. They want to be yeah, able yeah. to to charge three different devices. Um, and of course, the idea is that according to this article, what they're saying, um, Apple wants users to be able to place any device anywhere on the charging mat. Um, and this ambitious goal requires the company to pack the air power with multiple charging sensors. Um, and also, of course, you've got to have effectively, what, I would have thought three different induction coils. And it says it's running a stripped-down version of iOS also. Yeah, in order to manage the, the, the power management, because um, I'm pretty sure that the watch does not <laughs> draw anywhere near as much power as, uh, as a phone. I sometimes, um, sometimes think you know that we we just try and put too. I mean, I think the in term is smarts, isn't it? Mm. We try and make everything too smart these days. Um, surely it would have been easier to, to build a pad that had three sections on it, one for each of the devices, yeah. right. uh, and it would have probably been just as cool. But yeah, but you'd have to actually put it down in a specific place. So. Um, in in some ways, Apple are their own worst enemy for yes. wanting to make everything really clever. I think they or at least at least release a charger that can charge one device at a time. I mean, think about the money they're losing just on chargers alone, waiting for this to come out. I suspect. Um, I suspect that Apple are going to want a very premium price for this item, 
And if you're going to justify that, it's got to be pretty bloody clever because yeah. I'll be honest, you right. can go out and buy a, a Qi charger for, I don't know, five, ten pounds on Amazon. You can get, I mean, my wife's got a really basic one here. It's just like the size of a coaster. Put, she puts her, you know, she can put her iPhone 8 on it. Um, it's not fast charge or anything, but it's all right if you want to put your phone on there overnight. Um, and a better yeah. work rate, too, for whatever they're going to be charging for it. So, mm. Yeah, the, the uh, late, great Tim Verporten used to always talk about software that did one thing and did it well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think perhaps I'll stick to that, Maxim. I, I kind of see the idea of it, um, and if you have... You know, a watch and a phone and the thing. But then again, you're going to have to buy a new case, aren't you? And they're not just your current um, iPod case isn't going to charge up wirelessly. No. Um, no. I, I'm a bit struck that unless you actually have all three of those devices, you're going to probably be paying an awful lot of money. Um, but I, I guess, again, you know, if uh, if we buy the... The new case for the airport, uh, it can probably be charged on any uh, Qi charger anyway. Uh, yeah, I believe that's the, the idea. They're using some sort of char- proprietary technology. Um, they already said that, but they, they want to make it Qi compatible. So, you know, I think they've actually set themselves a far more complicated task than um, than it first appears. I, I'm, I'm with Nick. I mean, in some ways, I'd have just glued three different pads together. But then I'm not Johnny Ive, am I? No. And I think for the watch, it needs to be the watch tree. What, what, what's it called? Is the it? Third, third iteration, you know, the Series 3. It's got to be a Series 3 or higher, is it? Oh, well. Yeah, because I don't think I have a Series 1, and I don't think it could be charged wirelessly no matter what I try. So. Mm. Well, there we go. So apparently they've dug themselves into uh, a bit of a hole there. Um, I wonder if... I wonder if it'll ever happen. Uh, well, they've said perhaps they've, they've had perhaps they've had second thoughts about doing it at all. Well, no, no, they seem to be pushing on with it. I think um, I think they've announced that they're aiming for September now this oh, year. Oh right, um, just in time for the new phones. Yeah. Ah, good yeah. point. Good point. Yes, very much. I think, but I mean, it was announced uh, last September. So, yeah, and in a way, they, they should have announced it when it was ready to be shipped in, instead of. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. making yes. us wait for the price, and you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, when you're looking at web pages and something else catches your eye, and you think, "Oh gosh, look at that!" Um, I'm just reading this this article <laughs> about the uh, about the charger, and in the most read section next to it, it's got Kentucky Bourbon Warehouse, or is it Bourbon? Sorry, Kentucky Bourbon Warehouse collapses, spilling nine thousand barrels of whiskey. Yes. Yes. I saw, I saw Gosh, that. That's going to be a mess. Yes. Um, where did I see uh, the report? I sort of read on that. I think it was in Apple News. Somebody commented, and you know, everybody in Kentucky is now in mourning. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, complete tangent. I know, but that actually, as following that tangent slightly, I don't know if anybody saw there was. Um, a similar story, but bizarrely, uh, a few days earlier, two trucks had collided, and a, and a, like a forty-ton truck full of uh, bottles of um, some other kind of bourbon um, had been spilled all over the highway, and there was a photograph of a sea of broken bottles. Oh, dear. Freeway. Um, I can't remember what it was called. Apparently, it was uh, from the comments, it would appear that it was uh, well known as a fairly cheap 
bourbon. Um, oh right. Uh, I forget what it was called, but the comments from some of the some of the posters would imply that it's not exactly a quality product. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> thousands of bottles of it were smashed all over the highway. There we go. Well, um, so there we go. Air, air power is uh, well. Hopefully. May come eventually. <laughs> May come, might get here eventually. I don't think I'll be buying one, I'll be honest. I suspect I have no problem with plugging a cable in, to be honest. Well, the only, the only charging device I have uh, uh, is, the, um, is the watch, so I can't see myself. Oh, no, I've got the AirPods as well, but don't you have to have later AirPods as well? Oh, no, you're going to have to buy a, you're gonna have to buy a special case. Oh, right, okay. Or, I or never, probably... never really... You know, they'll probably bring out, and or they may add it to the AirPods going forward, I suppose. But yeah. at the moment, if you've yeah. got, if you've already got a set, no, the case doesn't support wireless charging. So there we go. Um, Fair enough. Could, could end up being an expensive hobby, I think. You're going to have to buy the pad and uh, possibly update your update your <laughs> iPhone to at least a, an 8 and um, have at least a level 3 watch. Um we do seem to be a little bit obsessed by wireless charging, I must admit. I mean, they're talking about it for cars as well. But it's so wasteful in energy that I don't think anyone's actually come out with anything that is really very practical, particularly I, with cars where you're actually, you know, you, you want to transfer a lot of energy. No, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a big lover of the idea of power over the air. But yes. in reality, because um, I hate cables with a passion, I loathe. My my life is, a, you know, awash with spaghetti piles of leading cables. Yes, I'm looking um, at my desk at the moment. It's absolutely smothered. <laughs> um, but I do not really have too much of a problem. I've got a seven-port, uh, you know, charging station on my bedside cabinet with a load of cables snaking out of it. And uh, at night, I have a ritual of plugging in one thing after the other. But um, I know I don't I don't have that much trouble with it, to be honest. Um, yeah, but I, I must say it's kind of nice in a way because uh, you know you just put your phone on the table, so put it on the mat that can charge it at, at the same time is kind of a two for one, you know. Mm. Instead I... of having your two ends uh, to connect the cable uh, because you cannot connect it with only one end. Well, yeah, I, I, there's, there are things about it I like. Um, yeah, I mean, for example, if you if you're just putting your tape, if you have a charging mat on your desk and you just lay your phone on it, your phone is getting charged and you can just pick it up and go, not fiddle about unplugging it or all the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're going to need wireless charging to become almost universal, so that when you buy an office desk or whatever, it's got a Qi mat built into it. In you know. Um, I mean, it's, I suppose it's getting there. I mean, IKEA have a huge range of lamps and things that come with a Qi pad on them. I mean, they do some um, sort of standard lamps with a little shelf with Qi charging in it and that sort of thing. Ah, uh, I, I guess at the minute we're at the early days, but I, I'm with Nick. I mean, why would you want to try and wirelessly charge a car? That strikes like strikes me as an yeah. incredibly pointless occupation. You probably I, I, I would, would not like to be between the car and the charger, I guess. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I think the idea is you park over it so that you're not actually <laughs> – there is no way to get in between it. Yeah. You, <laughs> you might to your find a few, fr- a few fried mice. You know. Charging your car. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I just – no, just plug it in, for God's sake. Especially a car. <laughs> can't be that difficult, can it? Oh, you know, yeah. are we really so lazy that we can't plug the damn car in overnight? 
Um, well, no, but uh, I'm, I like the idea of wireless charging, but at the minute, most of the wireless charging isn't really wireless at all. It's inductive, and then the pads got plugged in, and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's still a cable in the wall. Yeah, you know, when, um, when you can have a transmitter in the middle of the room that's charging everything in sight, then I'll be happy. <laughs> I'll probably truth be tried, is, but, you know. I think the truth is we actually want, we actually want uh, better batteries. Really, yes, that's what uh, the longer the batteries can last, the less important the charging is in some ways. Yeah, <laughs> we're having the right game today. Someone else's <laughs> phone is ringing. It's mine. That's all right. We'll Someone just... else in the house will get it. All right, we'll just pause till it stops ringing. It stopped. <laughs> I tried smothering it. <laughs> you, you have to change the name of the, the, the podcast to be uh, Phone Ringing Podcast. <laughs> summertime Bells. We'll change it from Summertime Blues to Summertime Bells. <laughs> uh, either, either that, you could call it the Essential Interruptions Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially Interrupted. <Or> 500. <laughs> Essentially Interrupted, definitely. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Um, uh, I'm moving the phone out of the room right now. It's all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Hey, we're going with. <laughs> oh, right. Go off. <laughs> um, oh. Should we just end it right here? No, no, no. <laughs> And in another, yeah, the, the next story is also uh, not particularly great for Apple. It's uh, Apple have finally acknowledged that the MacBook keyboards suck, according to the cult of Mac. And this is all over the web, as you would expect. Uh, Apple have uh, finally admitted that the butterfly keyboards suffer um, quite a lot of problems. Or, sorry, I should rephrase that, or Bart will be uh, blacking me with a ruler. Um, if you have a problem, it is likely to be the keyboard. Yeah. Even though the MacBooks are effectively more reliable than any previous generation. Um, however, if you have a problem with the keyboard, it's devastating and very expensive. So um, Apple have uh, announced that, yes, according to them, a small percentage of keyboards in certain MacBook and MacBook Pro models may exhibit one or more of the following behaviours. Letters or characters repeat unexpectedly. Letters or characters do not appear. The keys feel sticky or do not respond consistently. Um, and then it gives you a list of models affected, and uh, basically it's every, <laughs> every MacBook or MacBook Pro since 2015. So uh, that kind of says maybe there's maybe the butterfly keyboard's not as good as it ought to be. Um, and they have now announced effectively uh, one of their extended warranty. If it breaks, we'll fix it for free. Um, but I think it, you might still have to be without your Mac for a week to get it fixed. But... Well, that's 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 better than nothing, isn't it? And and the the fact that they're acknowledging there's a, it's, there's nothing more frustrating than having a device that doesn't operate the way that you need it to, and the company stays silent about the. The fact that there's a problem. Yes, um, very and, much. And, you know, Apple have been, have taken a little while to get around. I understand that they've got to spend some time investigating it and, and, and identifying how big the problem is. But um, I, I just think, I don't, it's not just IT companies. I mean, it's companies generally that manufacture things. Sometimes they just need to step up to the plate a little bit earlier and say, okay, there appears to be a problem here. We're looking into it. Yes, 
I think that's I think that's the truth. Uh, I think people have been aware for some time that some uh, of these butterfly keyboards appear to go wonky, and Apple have been a bit slow stepping up to the plate. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, I, yes, and having to be without your Mac for a week is is not great. I admit. Um, yeah, particularly particularly if you rely on yes, it, if you rely on it. it you yeah, know. definitely. But it's it's um it's not an easy fix, is it? And this is this is not like the days of old, you know, where you could just take the keyboard out. I mean, even on even on my old MacBook Pro, uh, if the keyboard went, it's a fairly major job. And um, yeah, I understand no. in these ones, the, the you know the batteries are glued in, and pretty much you have to have all you're left with is the logic board and the SSD and the screen. It's pretty much uh, it's almost on a level of why don't we just take out your SSD and stick it in a new machine and give you that. Um, I don't know whether you've uh, watched any of these iFixit things, but I mean, some of them make your toes curl when you actually, <laughs> when you actually watch what they have to do. You know, it's sort of getting getting sealed stuff off and prizing things apart, and you think, yeah, oh, when, when they start getting, yeah, what we need to do is get a hairdryer in order to warm it up. <laughs> yeah, maybe Whoa. not. <laughs> Whoa, there. I, I mean, I've always been someone who'd be quite happy to take things apart. I mean, I am. Um, I had a 24-inch iMac originally uh, back in 2007, and at some point I put an SSD in it. And I must admit, there was that point where I'd got the uh, I'd got the front off the screen, and you have to pry apart the out, outer part. And, you know, you know, as you lift it, you hear it go, and you think, "Oh, what am I doing oh, to my iMac?" No, that's, that's, I mean, but I managed last... to get it back to piece, uh, back in, you know, and working again, which was good. Uh, but I think they've got even harder since then. Oh yeah, they're glued together now, aren't they? And they're basically impossible, I think, to all to all intents and purposes. Um, yeah, I think I think become, be, be, beginning with the 5K iMac, the the simply glue the the, the glass on the uh, on the machine. So if you want to remove it, you have to re-glue it somehow, which is almost impossible for for a non. <laughs> you know, a standard user, I would say, you know, non-professional user. Yeah. I mean, the, the last time I actually took um, an iMac apart, uh, it, it was the early aluminium ones where the glass was actually held in with magnets. Yeah. So yes, could, that's the one I took to pieces, yeah. It's very similar to that. Sort of pull the, you could take, and, and I didn't have to go any further than taking the glass off because all I wanted to do was clean the inside of the glass. Ah, right. Because yeah. um, uh, on that model... I don't know. It doesn't seem, but on that early model, you used to get a dirty smudge in the top uh, left-hand corner of the screen from the from the fan exhaust. Oh right! You would get a dirty, uh, like a smoke mark. Um, it was a, like a dirty mark in the corner. So I took the glass off and cleaned the inside of it. But um, no, I didn't have to go any further than that. it was like. Oh well, I can pull this glass off with a couple of suckers, clean it, and put it back again. But that is about the extent of my. Um, delving into iMac since then, but now you know it's specialist tools and take your heart in your mouth. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, dear, oh dear. Um, right. Well, shall we move on and have a look at some of the security stories of the week then? Um, mm-hmm. well, the big story of the week, isn't it? Is this this story which apparently broke? Uh, I think it was midweek that a hacker, quote unquote, um had claimed that he'd figured out how to brute force the iPhone passcodes uh, without invoking the, you know, the uh, the delay mechanism where after, I think you get five entries for free and then 
there's a, like a five minute timeout and then a 10 minute timeout and they get kind of exponentially worse. Um, which is one of those things where, because John Gruber had a piece about why didn't more people not have the 10 strikes and your phone gets wiped turned on. Um, and uh, the general opinion of that was a lot of people were worried about losing, you know, their child or some miscreant entering a load of passcodes and then. Uh, wipe well, how many people do you actually think know that feature even exists? Uh, I don't know. It's, I think it's fairly well advertised, isn't it? But uh, now, I, I bet you if I went to 10 random people with iPhones on the street, maybe one would be a lot if they knew that feature existed. That is quite possibly true. Um, of course, what John Gruber was trying to say is, uh, you know, a lot of people are scared, even if they know about it, that somehow their phone will get, um, you know, inadvertently wiped. Um, and he, he worked out that actually to reach the 10th, attempt or the 11th attempt and and destroy the data on the phone takes i think four and a half hours because of the you know incrementally increasing timeouts um but of course the general reply um uh, from people of my age was certainly yes but even if that even if we kind of intellectually know that um we have experience from you know from the bar in from the past from old nokia phones and whatnot where people would manage to lock themselves out or their children would lock them out by pressing buttons at random until the damn thing locked up. So we might intellectually know that, but uh, deep down, we can't get rid of the fear. Um, anyway, a hacker apparently had figured out how to brute force these uh, passcodes. Uh, there's articles all over the all over the net about this. Um, I've got one here from Fortune, apparently, you know, allegedly showing the exploit in action. And uh, what they were... Uh, essentially doing as i understand it was using a virtual keyboard to send um a string of numbers with no spaces um and they were claiming that the keyboard entry would override the uh the timeout function um so i mean did, did any of you boys follow this story or see this story at all no no uh, not really i saw it but i didn't like follow it too much ah right yeah. well um it was all over the net, and of course there were plenty of people throwing and ha 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 and oh what a gaff and uh, anyway, uh, I think it was yesterday uh, the security researcher bypasses iPhone limit on passcode attempts uh, was updated to say Apple is says there is no vulnerability, and um, the guy himself says that uh, it would appear that even though the numbers were appearing on the screen of the iPhone. Not all of the pin entries were actually being registered, so he believes that um, he was, let's say, a little bit uh, previous uh, in coming forward and claiming that he'd broken the iPhone. Um, and it appears it's probably not true. So there Fake we go. News. <laughs> Fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah. Well, apparently he had divulged the information to Apple and whatnot, but then he went public and it went all over the. I mean, maybe he didn't expect it to blow up in his face but he's had to kind of retract um and various people are look nobody else was able to replicate his results apparently so uh don't always believe what you read i think here is uh, uh is the key to that one um yeah i saw something on facebook last night i can't remember off the top of my head what it was and it, it had been forwarded on by two of the people two of my friends mm. and i thought 
do you really believe everything that appears on Facebook? Because it was obviously, you know, it was one of those things where you think, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Elon, I'm certainly not Elon, forwarding that. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk is offering everybody a thousand pounds for, you know, if he can get to a million retweets or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And, and I thought, oh, it just amazes me how people, it appears on their phone or whatever, and, and, and they immediately believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. There we go. Uh, human nature. Yes, uh, afraid so. As they, as they say, the weakest part of the car is the nut behind the steering wheel. <laughs> or in computers, yeah. problem exists between keyboard and chair. Another security story was that um, Mac OS Quick Look has a flaw which can leak encrypted data, apparently. Um, I, I didn't really quite understand how this was supposed to work, but apparently the flaw has been there for a long time. Um, I don't know if any of you saw this one. Um, it says uh, an IT security specialist, whose name I'm not going to attempt to pronounce because it looks like it's probably Polish um, and it's got far too many vowels and consonants in the wrong order. Um, yeah, Mr. Regular. Yes, Mr. Regular, <laughs> quite right. W. Yeah. Regular. I'm not going to try and pronounce his uh, his first name. Um, Quick Look stores snapshots of data in unprotected location on the computer's hard drive. Um, whenever Quick Look is used to preview the contents of a file, a snapshot of the contents and the file path are captured and stored. Anyone that can access the snapshots can look at the photo or other data that was captured by Quick Look. The Quick Look snapshots are stored in your Mac even if you delete the original. Um, uh, this it's makes using encrypted containers pointless. Um, it's another one of these stories, though, that where you say if someone is on your machine accessing Quick Look and finding snapshots, you've got more to worry about than yeah <laughs> than the fact that Quick Look isn't particularly secure. Um, in a conversation yeah. with ZNet, Ward will explain that the Quick Look bug affects USB drives attached to the Mac. You have a forensics trail of what was on your removable drives. Well, only if you had looked at them on Quick Look, surely. Um, Quick Look Floor has been known about since 2010, apparently. Um, oh, right. You can purge the Quick Look cache from the computer, and here is a rundown on how to do it. Um, yeah, that's not great, and I'm pretty sure that Apple should fix it, I have to admit, and they shouldn't really take eight years to fix something like that. But, uh, yes, uh, I think I'm with you, Nick. That's a bit of a case of if if a miscreant has hands-on on, on your Mac, all bets are off. And it also assumes, of course, that you use Quick Look a lot. I must admit, it's one of those features which I hardly ever use. I use it all the time. Do you? Well, yeah. All the time. But then again, in my job, you know, I'm accessing... Don't know if you can hear me, but I completely lost audio. Have you? Can't hear anything. Right. I I can hear now. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, we haven't we haven't had one of those. This is going to be an edit fest galore. I see. Yeah, right, but never mind. Same thing happened last time I was on the show. Remember? Yeah, that, I think so. We haven't had a lot of problems with it lately, but that is one of its few remaining things. Sometimes people seem to just get disconnected, although they're not disconnected. They just can't hear anything anymore. How strange. Hmm. Right. Well, on this uh, edition of essentially interrupted. <laughs> I think it's time we all took a break. So uh, I'm going to say let's go over to John Nemo in the hardware store while me and the rest of the boys get a fresh cuppa. Take it away, John. 
Welcome to Nemo's Hardware Store on Essential Apple Podcast, episode 93. The product today is called Twist Plus, T-W-I-S-T-P-L-U-S. The company is called One Adapter, O-N-E-A-D-A-P-T-R, oneadapter.com. Cost in the U.S. is $45. It is the Twist Plus World Charging Station. There are four USB ports along the side, so you can charge up to four USB devices. You can use it in many, many countries because there is a yellow button on the side. You will need to see this on the website. And I turn it, and as I turn it, so there's the UK three plug. There's a European two round plug, and then there's a US two pronged plug. So you twist the knob on the side, depending on what country and what power source you are using. So far, so good. Multi-country, multi-twist. Then you pull off the little cap on the upper section, and you can slide in your Macintosh power unit to go directly into your Mac. Again, you will need to see the pictures. They show it on the website with the Macintosh power brick, rectangular, squarish, plastic blob that transmits power to your Mac, going right into this special fitting at the upper section of the Twist Plus World Charging Station. It is impossible to describe, but very easy to see, and extremely easy to use. So you can have four USB devices and MacBook, MacBook Pro, MacBook anything, charging all at the same time. Very clever, very good value. You just need to take one adapter, which is why it's called One Adapter. You need to take one adapter with you, and you are ready to go for your iPads, your iPhones, your iWhatevers, cameras, headphones, whatever you need to charge up. So have a look at this. comes in any color you want, as long as it's white. And if you do a web search for Twist Plus World Charging Station or One Adapter, O-N-E-A-D-A-P-T-R. You will see how convenient this is. It's a very nice website. Shows it being used in different ways. And you can also study the other products from this company, oneadapter.com. Be aware that on the website, they have yellow and black versions of it. They do not exist. White is the color. So I have no international travel planned anytime soon but I can certainly carry this with me in the USA to charge my Mac and four other USB items at the same time. For those of you who are traveling this summer or any time, consider the Twist Plus from OneAdapter.com. Back next week. Thank you for that, John. Another excellent hardware store. Yeah, and we've got this other story, haven't we? Uh, we've got this story about Facebook. Um... Facebook plans free training for small businesses struggling with user privacy. Um, now, this came from IT Pro, which is a, a UK-based um, sort of magazine-slash-news outlet. Um, and I have to admit, when I first saw it, I just kind of thought, ha, 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 are you kidding me? Um, but, uh, you know, the story is... Uh, I guess one we should talk about, and actually I suspect there's more to it. Um, 
their subhead is is this a helpful gesture or PR chicanery, which is also partly what I thought. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if you've read all of it or if you've just glanced at it, boys. Um, what was your thought about it? I suppose, um, I mean, in some ways, they're in a really good place to teach people about security um, because they've been caught napping so many times themselves. Hopefully, you would think that the company would learn a little bit from that and, and and have useful useful knowledge to be able to share with other companies. Um, <laughs> I quite like the uh, one of the sentences is um, today Facebook itself no stranger to concerns over user user privacy. <laughs> so a little bit of an understatement there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, it's an interesting story because. <sighs> You could say that they've had to do an awful lot of changes to their um, to Facebook over the years, and they've had to find their way so that people will still trust them. I mean, don't get me wrong; there are an awful lot of people out there who don't trust them at all. Um, but but there's an awful lot of people who still use them, myself included. Um, I, yeah, it's an interesting story. Uh, whether it's PR. And they just want to be seen to be doing the right thing, or whether they genuinely feel they've got something valuable to share with other companies is debatable. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it ends up the end of the article. You know, uh, it's easy to dismiss dismiss such projects as PR masquerading as education. Given recent troubles, getting people to associate Facebook with best privacy practices, could, you know, is certainly helpful for the company. Um, yeah. Even if this is part of the motivation at play here, with security and privacy becoming more important, small and medium businesses should certainly think twice before looking a gift horse in the mouth. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, I mean, it says here, the priority seems to be helping US businesses to get their house in order. Facebook has partnered with Teach Privacy to offer free training courses covering 10 things that small and medium-sized businesses should know. Um, the course will tour the country with stops at Baltimore, New Orleans, San Diego, East Palo Alto, and Edison, New Jersey. Um, and then there's uh, apparently also going to be one in Berlin and Dublin. Um, That's interesting. They're, part they're partnering with another company, a teaching yes, company, a effectively. teaching company, yes. Um, mm. And in the U EU promontory, apparently. Um, I guess, if if nothing else... Even if it is to some extent a PR stunt, I guess there's the fact that actually Facebook and these other companies do know a lot about privacy and what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And also, I mean, also what what the general public think is acceptable and isn't acceptable, mm. um, because that they're, they're, they've obviously got a good view of that because of what they've had to do over the years when people have complained. Um, that they know they know where the limits are, as it were, and they can say, okay, you know, people aren't going to accept that. You might think that's okay, but our experience tells us that that general pub, Joe public is not going to accept that. Yeah, so, I um, mean, um, I mean, this is obviously US based. So, I mean, Donnie, what what do you think? What what's your view on it? Um, I'm not a Facebook user, so but um, I think when we were first, I was when we were talking about how can you trust Facebook, it sort of reminded me of how. A lot of, um, I guess, ex-criminals help alarm companies uh, make their alarm system better. Yeah. Like it has that kind of ringtone ring to it. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. As, as we uh, like to say, a poacher turned gamekeeper. Um, <laughs> yes. It's a, certainly a, a British saying. Um, I, I am kind of torn between you are kidding me, you know, a company notorious for how it blatantly exploits its users' privacy. But at the same time, another part of me says a big company like that does, even if they break the rules, a lot of the time I suspect they know what the rules are and they're pushing the boundaries and they must have people who can actually teach people how they should go about doing it. Um, and I, I guess... think it would be interesting to see if they're saying do this, do this and this, and then someone turns around and says, well, are you doing this, this, this and this? How much yeah. is Facebook actually doing that they're telling people to do? <laughs> yeah, do as I say and not as I do. Um, right. Yeah, well, it's an interesting story. Uh, It'd and... be interesting to be a fly on the wall to see what these courses are like. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, I, I mean, it's interesting that they're free. They're not charging anybody. Um, yeah. uh, but like they say in the last paragraph, you know, they, given its recent trouble, blah, 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 you know, getting people associate Facebook with best privacy is, is good for them. So they basically do that only, I guess, for, for their image or their public, you know. Oh, it, I think it's definitely, you know. I think it's definitely an image, you know, uh, yeah. Damage limitation slash restoration. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it just, yeah, my initial uh, reaction and my kind of thinking about it a bit more reaction are not quite the same. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I, I also agree with the thing that, you know, sometimes the best person to advise you on, on security is somebody who's spent their life trying to get round it. So, um, yeah. Having, having said all that, companies on the whole, don't tend to do things for no reason. No. <laughs> so, they, yeah, they, the, the PR thing is going to have, be a big part of it, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Um, I think perhaps the, you know, the byline up there or the, um, you know, the subhead PR chicanery is probably a little strong. I, I don't, I doubt there's any chicanery in it as such, um, but it's definitely a heavily PR focused, I'm sure. Um, I don't suppose, you know, if you are a small to medium-sized business and you're worried about it, I'm sure you you could do a lot worse than, um, you know, attend a seminar by a big company. So, uh, and apparently there were going to be webinars and a whole load of other things uh, associated with it. So, um, there we go. I'm sure sure there will be headings later on, small company. Uh, improves user privacy thanks to Facebook. Oh yes, that's um <laughs> yes, that, yes. I'm sure they're going to exploit the living hell out of it uh, if it if it takes off. Um, right. Um, what else have we got? Oh well, talking about uh those sort of things. Um, in the news we have EU toys with blowing up the internet as we know it. Um, this one's from Popular Mechanics, but I expect you've probably seen stuff like it all over the uh, all over the blogs. Um, after doing what uh, seems to be widely considered to be one of the best pieces of privacy legislation in the world ever, uh, despite being a bit annoying to some people and somewhat annoying to users because we now get pestered with "Do you agree?" Um, the GDPR, which you know, overall I think is probably a very good thing. Um, the EU are now come up with this somewhat less good idea, as far as I can see, uh, which is a sort of digital millennium copyright act slash um, YouTube no copyright material here suggestion. Um, 
which appears to be predicated on the idea that small companies uh, and small producers don't get a fair cut of the uh, you know linkage that some of their stuff gets. But uh, have you, has anybody else read this? Have you been following I, it? I looked at it and and um, the link part, if it just doesn't make sense because wouldn't you want people coming to your site, especially if you have ads that rely on people coming to your site? Yes. Like, don't worry about getting paid for who's putting the link out there. You just want people to come to your site. Exactly. Um, I, I think the um, I think the the more, the more difficult and almost unenforceable part of this legislation is around the removal of um, or filtering of copyright material. So that basically, it will become the responsibility of the companies that are. Um, hosting any that that particular information to to scan their stuff and and and, and not allow people to see it, um, which seems a bit impractical considering the internet as it is now. Seems impossible. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm sure it's good. Uh, it's well intentioned. It just seems to have not been really. It's another one of these things where they really should have spoken to a technical person yes, who would have right. told them, "Don't be silly." <laughs> I mean, uh, what it describes it here is the link tax grows out of experiments in Germany and Spain, ostensibly designed to give local publishers a cut of the profit that giant American companies like Google and Facebook make by advertising against the links and snippets of their text their users post. The rule has had disastrous and counterproductive effects. In Spain, the legislation called, caused Google News to pull out of the country, and further studies show that the law caused a $10 million loss to the industry, primarily shouldered by the smaller businesses who relied on tech giants for distribution. So um, it seems like the whole thing stink, stinks as, as uh, probably well-intentioned, but uh, very foolish, and by people who have no idea how these things work. Um, and open internet advocates like uh, Tim Berners-Lee, uh, the co-founder of Wikipedia, Jimmy Wales, and a whole load of other people are all up in arms saying that you're going to destroy the internet, you're going to destroy, and in fact, you're going to have a counterproductive effect and force, um, you know, force smaller companies out um, of the way, and you're actually going to end up forcing um, the big boys to have or not forcing, you know, allowing the big boys to take an ever bigger slice because small people won't be able to compete at all. Or it just becomes completely unmanageable. I mean, it's a little bit like um, I've heard people comparing it to the problems that YouTubers have had with uh, their content being marked as um, not available to actually make any money on it. Mm. Um uh, and 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 the algorithms that they use are are poor and don't really work very well, and often people who do regular podcasts are having to sort of constantly fight against YouTube to get their stuff up when yes. there's nothing wrong with what they've put up. Yes, um, and, and this could easily go the same way. This could end up, um, that, as it says, breaking the internet. Um, that I mean, they reference the YouTube currently existing content ID system. Uh, which is, as they say here, perpetual, uh, famous for perpetual overzealousness. And bad actors have been known to weaponize by submitting false copyright claims, exploiting the system's bias towards the copyright holders. Um, Just think of how Twitter and Facebook would look. Yes. Without all the pictures and, <laughs> and the, stuff, it'd yes. just be all text. Yeah. That it, the, um, and of course, meme creators, uh, you know, that I've seen this talked about elsewhere, and they're specifically saying, 
you know, this is this would destroy meme culture utterly because memes are all built on usually a picture from a TV show or you know something from popular culture. And if that technically those things are copyright, you know, you couldn't make a joke about something and the Borg and use a picture of a Borg because those all belong to Paramount. Um, it yeah, it, this strikes me as a seriously flawed and but the um, no, no oh, matter the trademark the trademark um trolls would have a field day with um suing copyright oh yes the, uh... yeah, they would yeah it, it, it's no it, it's a terrible idea and somehow or other it appears to have made it through the uh the first layer of the eu um so i i don't know uh if you're in the eu listeners speak to your euro mp and tell them it's a bloody bad idea um it's actually it's actually is it clause 13 or there's several there's there's, there's um, the one that's the one bit that's really uh, yes the uh, worst part is, is clause i believe article 13 article that's it article 13 yeah uh, this is the this would require platforms to create and maintain expensive expansive systems to monitor uploaded images and video for copyright violation that is to say mandatory automated meme policing um uh, there's an interesting section just here, um, halfway down the page. It says, um, "Who is it from?" Uh, is that the open? Oh, letter? It was a letter to the EU regulators from Tim Berners Lee and Jimmy Wales, etc. And it says, "The damage that this may do to the free and open internet, as we know it, is hard to predict, but in our opinions, could be substantial. The cost of putting in place the necessary automatic filtering technologies will be expensive and burdensome, and yet those technologies have still not developed to a point where their reliability can be guaranteed." Indeed, if Article 13 has been in place when Internet's core p- protocols and applications were developed, it is unlikely that it would exist today as we know it. Yep. Um, and sort of going back to the YouTube uh, example, um, my daughter, you know, has a little YouTube channel and um, she um, has on more than one occasion put something up um, and received a thing saying this is, you know, been blocked due to a copyright violation um and it will claim that some of the music used on you know in the background is copyrighted now i taught my daughter very early on when she started doing that that the the way you know she should get her music from places like the free music archive or um uh, free sfx places like that who have blatantly open source music that you can use however um their copyright uh, detection system will often still flag those as copyright infringement because sometimes um, the people who uh, post those pieces of copyright free music post them in a lot of places. Um, For example, uh, the one that we used to use as the intro, the Ben Sound Happy Rock. If, if If you search for Ben Sound Happy Rock, that will turn up everywhere because the guy uh, who produces Ben Sound stuff uh, puts it all over the web because he's happy for people to use it. But yeah. of course, it also ends up in um, on sites which have some stuff which is free and some stuff which is paid for. And as a result of that, YouTube may well flag stuff which has been put out as Creative Commons and entirely free to use as copyright because it's also on a quote unquote not free to use site. So it's it's a, it's a nightmare. Look at look at um 
mymac.com, for example, where there's tons of reviews and articles that use screenshots or photos, product photos from a site. I would think that'd be a big issue too. You know, you take a screenshot of an app that you're using, but that's the artwork and everything in that app is copyright, copyright, copyrighted, copywritten. Yeah, copyright. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, but you're not using it in a bad way. You're using it to promote the product or... Well, exactly. Um, you just no. The whole thing becomes a nightmare. It's it's however well intentioned it was originally. I, I think it's a it's a disaster waiting to happen. Um, unlike GDPR, which was you know certainly a very good thing. I think pretty much everybody is, is agreed on that. It might have some slightly annoying side effects, but I think most of us would rather have those than not know what's going on. But um, no, I think people. I think people in charge of copyright. No, I don't mean the um how, how do you describe them copyrightees i don't mean the people who hold the copyright i mean the people in between who tend to rake off most of the money it seems to me mm. they need to sit down and really think about how copyright should work now in the digital age i think it should still be there i think we should pay people fairly for what they produce but we really need to think about it a bit more deeply than just slapping on some ill-thought-out legislation to actually try and control it in some way. Well, of course, in in English law, um, there there's a sort of certain amount of leeway about copyright for um, you can use it for fair review, you can use it for comment, you can uh, use copyright material, you know, for the purposes of um, comedy, but it, it it usually hinges on fair use, and that yeah. usually means you know you can take a small chunk of something, and there is no explicit amount of how much it is, but you can use it you know whether it's to lampoon something or to make a review or comment. Um, you know, taking one still out of a movie um, to put on the you know to put on the top of your review of said movie is not exactly what I would call infringing the copyright. No, um, but at the same time, we also know, don't we, that a lot of websites on, on the internet simply cut and paste stuff from other places, which is right. probably a bit on the naughty side. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. In some but, cases, entire articles. Yeah, yeah. and which is, which, which, you know, I don't think anybody would uh, defend. That's, you know, that's blatantly wrong. That, um, that's, why I, that's why I said, I think, you know, the clever people need to sit down and think this through and work out how copy right holders are going to get fair compensation for the work that they do. And that's what copyright's all about, isn't it? Yes. Yes, the whole point is that you, if you produce a work, you, you know, other people should not be able to steal it and use it blatantly for their own ends without uh, fair, you know, fair remuneration, whether that remuneration is monetary or, uh, you know, in some cases merely attribu- uh, you know, attribution. Um, yes. I don't know. That rem- I, that, that reminds me of something, actually, um, that I, I will um, come to later. Okay. Um, a, a, a recommended website that uh, that produces uh, photographs that everyone can use. So I'll, I'll mention that later. Oh, right, yes. I've, I've got several of those, actually. Um, perhaps we'll put those in the uh, worth, a, worth a chirp. Yeah, while that's we're a good about idea. It. Um, <clears throat> I've also got a couple of um, sites I use to get sound effects and music, which is, you know... Um, available freely available for people to use 
which is how come I dropped the Ben Sound Happy Rock because at least two guests pointed out that somebody else was also using it as their (laughs) intro. I'm not surprised. It was a nice piece of music, and it's freely available, as I say, all over the place. Uh, Right. Um, I think that's probably pretty much those. Um, I've got a couple of technology stories, and uh, Donnie can lead us off on the first one because he posted this in in the Slack. And it's the world's tiniest computer makes a grain of rice seem massive. Yeah, this is um from Engadget, and in the article they have computer in quotes because there's a kind of um what's the word I'm looking for? There's kind of an argument or whether or not it's considered a computer. But the picture it looks it's kind of amazing how tiny this thing is, and it can help with cancer research. Um, says that the sensor can measure changes in small regions, like a group of cells in your body. And it can, scientists have suspected that tumors are slightly hotter than healthy tissue. So I assume it can help them find cancers in people. And I don't think it's important whether it's a quote unquote computer or not. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I, I read it. And um, as it says, you didn't think scientists would let IBM's world's smallest computer boast go unchallenged. Um, the University of Michigan has produced a temperature sensing computer. And it measures, according to this, 0.04 cubic millimetres, uh, or one-tenth of the size of IBM's formal record setter. Um, and yes, the photograph there shows you it. Um, that's a grain of rice. That's amazing. It, yes, that's a grain of rice. That, uh, it, yeah, that, that, I was looking at what was the reference for, for that big piece of... Uh... Yes, of rice. That's, a, that's a grain of rice. Uh, it, it looks like it might be somebody's fingertip if you... Yes, you know. it does. <laughs> yeah. um, so that is the, the computer quote-unquote uh, sensor. Um, as they say, uh, why, why is it uh, air quotes? The tiny size is leading the university to question what computer actually is. This does have a fully-fledged processor based on an ARM Cortex-MO+, whatever the hell that is, um, but it loses all data when it loses power. Um, this is a deal breaker for people who expect the computer to be more complete. I don't think that makes any difference whatsoever, to be honest. Uh, I think you'll find that most of the computers that were first considered to be computers didn't hold data when they weren't powered on. Um, yep. ZX Imagine how thin, how thin an iPhone could be with that, in it, that <laughs> yeah. processor. In it. Um, <clears throat> I, yes, and I, I guess it's it's sort of more of a sensor, you could say. But, um, I mean, they say here they had to get creative. I wonder creative. What, what is this uh, source of, uh, you know, of power. Yeah. It must be very thin. Oh, well. yeah. Uh, and they don't actually say how it's powered, interestingly. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's something with, um, like, the body powers it somehow. Like yeah, I was a... wondering if it's gen- maybe it could be generated by heat or, or some kind of chemical reaction. Um, yeah. And... and... They said if he, if it lose power, it lose data. But I, if that's the case, probably uh, you know if if it's powered by uh, blood or whatever that we have in our body, that if we die, the computer dies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, you, you got bigger problems than losing your data. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it amazes me. Um, it, it takes me back many, many years to when I was at school. And uh, local universities used to do, I don't know whether they still do, they used to do, at at the end of um, the summer term, they used to do stuff for schools. And you could go to the university and go to one or two lectures that were specially aimed at school children. Uh, And I remember going to one once that talked about um, microcomputers and about about chips um, and seeing someone 
talk about even back then, and we're talking a long time ago. Uh, well, when would well, how old would I have been? So we're talking um, uh, 74, 75, something like 1975. Uh, and even then, they were uh, talking about um, chips and uh, how they took. Uh, they gave the example of the of the campus that the university sat on. And then they kept zooming out and saying, okay, you know, in 10 years, we'll have chips that can squeeze this much information on. And and within 15 years, we'll have, you know, the, the world itself would represent the, yeah, the size the and, and, and the amount of stuff we're squeezing on. And, and it's just gone on like that, you know, ad infinitum. I'll be interesting to see what that lecture would say now. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I have read, um, and I did mention it last week, um, that... Uh, the people who make chips are, are now saying that uh, effectively they believe they may have reached the end of Moore's law of the sort of doubling of the number of transistors you can jam onto a onto a chip, um, which is held up pretty well. But you know, I think even Mr. Moore himself didn't believe it was a true law. It was merely a statement of uh, that will keep working until we come up against actual. Yeah. Phys- it was an observation. You know, the, the laws of <laughs> physics will eventually stop us going any further. Um, one of the things that amazed me about this is the photograph of it there, because even though that's a grain of rice for scale, it, it looks like a, the sort of, uh, you know, like a USB, if you, you know, a USB connection box or something on a, on a board with a few wires on it. Um, but I also was, was thinking, you know, those chips that they, they people microchip their dogs or, or cats or horses or whatever with? They always go on about those are about the size of a grain of rice and inserted under the skin. Um, yes, okay. And those are considered to be tiny. This thing is <laughs> like infinitesimal in in proportion. There yeah, we go. Uh, 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 with it's like this, the size of an ant. <laughs> yes. With this picture, I must admit, I, I, it makes me wonder. It looks looks a little bit as if someone might have sold it that bit in place so who's got a steady enough hand to do that <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i did they do those things with kind of um like electron microscopes things don't they have you seen those things where they push a few atoms and make they made the word ibm i think oh yes yeah and um i forget one some somebody used an electron microscope to build an electric uh, they built an actual car like a, an electric motor with wheels on it with an electron <laughs> microscope that worked um, this was a few years ago. So that when when powered, it would it would run. It was um, pretty insane. But there you go. Um, no, I, I, yes, that was a fascinating um, fascinating story. Um, and and particularly as uh, as you said, Steve. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff here about it. Um, aiming it as as a medical device. Um, they're talking about putting it in your eye in order to help diagnose glaucoma or whatever. Um. I mean, at the size of that, I would think, you know, a little bit more, more, more refinement and you could probably uh, put it through a hypodermic needle. So, um, yeah. Well, fascinating story, that one. Fascinating. Um, and the other one's a bit more mundane, I have to admit. Uh, Logitech uh, say the school-targeted crayon stylus is so good, Apple should copy it for the iPad. Um, there, I don't think there's a lot of surprise in this story, to be honest. I think a lot of people, when they saw the uh, Logitech crayon in the uh, education event, thought, "Well, why can't we have one of those?" I know it's not touch sensitive, uh, not pressure sensitive. I know, but um, I wonder if there was a deal between them and Apple saying, "Yeah, we'll promote it, but you can't sell it to the public because 
mm. you know, it'll it'll take sales of the, the uh, pencil away. But no. I mean, I would buy one. Kids, this is great for kids. I think. Yeah. If it were to be sold for public use. Uh, yeah, or for those of us who aren't in the slightest bit artistic and don't need a pressure sensitive pen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so for people that are using uh, the stylus just for taking notes uh, and drawing uh, sketches of whatever that they, they, they're talking about with their friends or something, you know. Yeah, um, in effect, you know, being not pressure sensitive, it, it works, doesn't it? It, it would work like it's the difference between using a biro and, um, you know, a, a pencil that you can yeah. shade with. Right. Um, I'm sure if enough people shout, Apple might consider it. I, I I wonder within a year it'll be on sale to the public. Like it has maybe there's a window. It has to be on the education. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right. Quite possible. Um, it only works, of course, with the sixth gen iPad. Doesn't work with anything else. I, I think the drift of this um, article is suggesting that maybe Apple should make their own version. So you know something a bit lower spec than the than the pencil. Um, you're, you're saying that this won't work on an iPad Pro? It's not supposed to, somehow. No, apparently oh, really? not. It, apparently, it only works with the 6th Gen iPad. Uh, I don't know how. Oh. Um, okay, maybe it's uh, tricked into the iPad or something like that within the OS, or mm. when they see that stylus, they just don't recognize it. Well, uh, one thing I do know about the, the crayons is they they are not individually paired to the iPads, because one of the... Uh-huh. Th- one of the features that was um, built into it, which was for schools, is that if you imagine all the all the pupils have got their sixth gen iPad, and there can be a pot of crayons. Um, I just grab one, and you just grab one. You don't have to have your mm-hmm. own special. You know, it's not paired directly to the iPad in the way that the the pencil is. Yeah, um, it says, yeah, it says in the guess. article. Uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, Nick. <laughs> It says in the article that the uh, crayon is specifically made to work with the 2018 9.7-inch iPad mm. and doesn't mm-hmm. use Bluetooth. Um, okay. After updating to uh, iOS 11.4, the rechargeable stylus just automatically works as long as an Apple Pencil isn't already paired with it. Okay. So maybe maybe also the, the, the thing that uh, since it is... Uh, you know, propose for children in school, maybe they, they, they think that children can use one iPad and be being two people on the same screen, drawing or whatever, you know, doing tic-tac-toe or <laughs> I don't know what, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, know what, I know where they're coming from and then I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Apple bring out a, I don't know, they wouldn't call it a, a pencil minus, would they? But, um, mm. you know. Because the, the pencil is not a cheap product, and uh, unless you really need all those features, because was it you, Nick, who said you had a pencil and you decided to sell it, or was it somebody else? No, it must have been somebody else. I've never had one. All right. Um, I know somebody said to me, um, maybe it would, maybe it was Suffolk Pete, that they they bought a, an iPad Pro and a pencil, but you know, haven't had it for a while. They were going to sell the pencil because they said they just don't get enough use out of it. Um, for what they paid for it, so yeah, because um, it's not a cheap item, um, and okay. it wouldn't be the first time, would it? Because I mean, the the iMac, if we all remember, the the bigger version of right. the uh, iMac uh, was originally uh, obviously it was an iMac because it was education only, and so many people uh, lobbied Apple at the time because the um, it was a G four CRT 
bigger version of the original iMac. Um, at the time, the the G4 iMacs had just come out, the dome with the uh, screen on an arm, but they were, you know, very expensive. And so people, a lot of people were lobbying Apple, and then eventually, I think Steve gave in, didn't he? And the, the eMac became available to the general public. But I think one of the diff- big differences between that, if I remember correctly, is as a teacher, I could get myself an eMac, like as an individual, uh, just as a teacher, but I can't get like the crayon just as a teacher. I think it has to be sold as a, like a class of, in bulk to a school. You right. can't just, I can't get a teacher and go say, I want to buy a pencil. No. I can't do that. Just buy one. No. And, and just from my sick, I'm searching the information, but does the crayon is also chargeable or is it uh, passive? No, it's charged. It, yeah. Eight hours. Um, okay. It says rechargeable stylus. Um, I don't know how it charges, though. Uh, it plugs in the same as the, I believe, as the, as uh, the no. pencil. No, it says here, recharges with a lightning in cable, like the uh, AirPods. Uh, unlike right. the jab it into your iPad pencil, which has an outie. <laughs> oh, I see. Yes. So it's, um, yeah. It, it does say here. The, the reason that you can't use it with other iPads is because it utilizes baked-in pencil shortcuts. Right. Which, which aren't recognized by a standard capacitive stylus or your finger on the screen. Mm. Well. It's cool. It is cool. I mean, I thought that when they announced it, and I did think, you know, they made it clear that it was education only and uh, for schools and you had to have the, the correct iPad and all the rest. But um, this guy basically is saying... Um, like a lot of us, I think, why can't the rest of us have it? Not all of us need the, not all of us would need the pencil, is true. But I suspect over time, these, these things kind of seep out, don't they? You know, you get the pencil and the iPad Pro, and then they bring out a, a, an iPad that can you have a stylus, and then, you know, the next one. <laughs> you know, people are talking about, what about a pencil mini to be used on, um, you know, um phone pluses and so on and so forth so all a matter of time i think but uh, yes. a lot of people a lot of people are impressed with that uh, crayon um and i think a lot of people i'm not a stylus person i wouldn't but i would say that i suspect there's a lot of people who would like to have a go and aren't really prepared to venture you know a hundred notes um to try one um there we are it to be the uh, party pooper but i've got a split Okay, well, I was going to say, I think that's all of the stories. So I'll tell you what, um, if you've got to go, um, what have we got left? Uh, Well, we've just got the worth of chirp, really. And that is uh, Donnie's going to give away some codes for some of his sticker packs. Is that not right, Donnie? Right. It was, um, I just released a couple sticker packs. Um, One is based on guitar picks. one is kind of a pencil doodling a bunch of notes and faces. And then I have a older sticker pack called 11 Kickers, which is all soccer-based uh, for um, World Cup fans or any soccer or football okay. fans out there. Well, Donnie has given me um, some codes for the App Store. So if you would like a set of, uh, of Donnie's sticker packs, just contact me and I will send you a set of three codes and uh, first come, first served. There we go. And it's um, UK, Canada, and US. Oh, yes. Right now. Yes. At the moment, you are correct. That is uh, currently only available in the US, Canada, and the UK. Sorry. Sorry, Alistair. Uh, are, are your uh, uh, packs available on, in Canada Star or no? Oh. Uh, they, the, they, they, 
it's slowly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Donny. Uh, I think Donny activated that I'm working today. Working things out. So uh, they might take a little while to turn up. If they don't show up in the store, just keep trying. Um, right. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Donny. If you want to shill yourself, and then I'll move on to everybody else. And uh, if you need to shoot off, shoot off. Okay. Um. Well, you can look me up in iTunes Store, iBook Store. Um, for sticker packs and uh, children's books, uh, my website's hedgehogalley.com and on Twitter, R-T-T-E-A-C-H-R. Okay. Um, and are your books still only U.S. or have you moved those? Um, I'm working on that too. Um, the first one, um, Looking for a Dinosaur, is I'm working on that for Canada and U.K., but I'm still looking into slowly going to release the other ones. Okay. All right, then. Thank you very much for coming on, Donny. My pleasure. Uh, and if you need anytime, to go, off you go. Yeah, I'm out of here. All okay, right. see you, Donny. Cheers, Donny. Bye, Donny. Right. Um, I think we've done all the stories. Does anybody else have a worth a chirp? Uh, only, only what we were talking about earlier. Um, Donny put in a uh, into the um, wire discussion uh, morgfile.com, which gives uh, has free photographs for commercial use. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're quite fussy about attribution on Morgfile, from what I remember. Um, but I found another uh, website called Unsplash, okay. uh, and and they're quite they're quite easy about you using their photographs in any way you see fit. Right. Okay. Uh, and there's some good stuff on it. I must admit, uh, it's got a good search engine, so you can search for photos on a particular subject. Um, it gives you like a sort of um, uh, what, what should we call it? Oh, I can't remember what they call it. A collection. You can set up collections of certain photographs. Um, so if there's a certain subject you're interested in. So for me, um, being someone who does quite a lot with uh, with my local church, I'm looking up for Christian images. You just type in Christian and you literally click on them and it adds it to your collection. And then you can del- download them very easily. All right. Um, and it's free to join. And... Um, there's very little. Let me just um, very quickly. It says under license, it says all photos published on Unsplash can be used for free. You can use them for commercial and non-commercial purposes. You do not need to ask permission from from um, or provide credit to the photographer or Unsplash, although it is appreciated when possible. Uh, More precisely, Unsplash grants you an irrevocable, non-exclusive copyright license to download, copy, modify, distribute, perform, and use photos for Unsplash for free. Wow. Including for commercial purposes. That's And without permission or attributing the photographer or Unsplash. So you couldn't get freer than that, really, could you? (laughs) Not really. That's very good. I... um... There's a couple here, actually, for what it's worth, that I sometimes use. One is called uh, PX Here, Pix Here, of course. Um, that's PixHere.com. Uh, that's free of copyrights under Creative Commons Zero. Do whatever you want. Um, again, free to join and whatnot. Um, Look at that. And another one um, that I use is... Wow, that's quite like Unsplash. Yeah, and there's another one, often... I'll be honest, often you will find that sometimes these things all belong to the same library. Oh, well, that's possible, yes. Sometimes they're simply different shop fronts for the same one. Uh, the other one I use is uh, pixabay.com, um, which is another one, similarly. Oh, they, they look like different photos, I think, although the actual the engine mm. they're using, I think, is the it, same. It could be simply that they're all using the same engine. Um, 
But there you go. It's nice to know that there are places you can go and get hold of. You know, if you search, of course, if you search, you will find there are quite a lot of sites, um, which I guess in um, light of what we were talking about earlier might become uh, a more important thing to know. Um, and similarly with music, uh, the two I use a lot are uh, Free SFX and the Free Music Archive. But uh, there we go. Uh, right, there we are. Um, I think it's probably time to round the show up. So, uh, Steve, would you uh, do you uh, you know partake of the Twitter or any such thing? Yes, I'm on Twitter. My it's simply my name at S T E V E H A M M O N D Steve Ammon. So that's pretty. That's pretty straightforward cool. then, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for coming on. And of course, we can find your some of your work uh, on mymac.com. Come on, you do reviews and things there. Yeah, some of the times. Some of the time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, well, again, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, Nick. You are, of course, at Spligosh, and uh, you appear on the Let's Talk podcast with Bart, don't you? Uh, from t- time to time, I do, yes. Um, so thank you for having me on again. It's That's been good fun. Not a problem. Absolutely fine. And uh, I am, of course, on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. The show is Essential Apple, and uh, the website is EssentialApple.com. So, right, I think we'll wrap it up, shall we? Uh, Why not? Why not? Well, this has been the Essentially Interrupted (laughs) podcast, (laughs) Um, and I'm going to have to do a lot of editing, but never mind. Uh, Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Excellent. Thanks, lads. This has been the Essential Apple podcast, and uh, I'd just like to say that uh, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, go over to EssentialApple.com and you can take a look at the Patreon or the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can either make a single donation or you can make uh, a regular subscription and all the money that you donate will go towards paying for the things like hosting and better microphones and such like. And of course, a very special thank you to those of you who already do support the show. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. We are part of the MyMac Podcasting Network, where you can find such shows as Tech Fan with Tim and Dave, MyMac with Guy and Gaz, The Three Geeky Ladies, The Geekiest Show Ever, uh, The Excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, The Club Nintendo, um, and probably some that I've forgotten. So why not head over to MyMac.com, download a show, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.